All right. So when one of the greatest living rock and roll drummers on the planet has 20 minutes to talk to you, you don't say no. You say yes. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. of Yes, a band which features my guest today on the program, Alan White. Let me tell you a little bit about Alan White. All right, so it seems kind of stupid to tell you just a little bit about Alan White because the guy has been one of the most formidable drummers in rock and roll for the last 50 years. We'll get to his work with Yes in a second, but before we do, you should know that the British-born White started playing in bands when he was 13. And over the course of his career, he played on albums by George Harrison, Ginger Baker, Joe Cocker, Terry Reed, and John Lennon. He played live with Lennon as part of the Plastic Ono Band at the Toronto Rock and Roll Revival Festival in 1969, and he also had a stint playing live with Terry Reed and Steve Winwood. When he joined Yes, he also had two other job offers at the same time on the table, one with Jethro Tull and one with America. But... White said no to them, and yes to yes. Pretty good move. He ended up playing on 17 Yes albums and, in the process, established himself as one of the most innovative, intuitive, and muscular drummers around. His playing is a deft combination of finesse and power that's as athletic as it is stylistic. But don't take my word for it. Go get Yes's new live album. Recorded live at the Las Vegas Hard Rock Hotel back in July of 2019, Yes's newest effort is called the Royal Affair Tour Live from Las Vegas, and it's a beast. A sterling collection that showcases not only the depth and scope of the band's winning songbook, it features Mr. White tearing it up behind the kit. It's really cool. And you know what else is cool? The fact that I got a chance to talk to Alan White. So enjoy this conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. We took uh, what we were doing this year and made a carbon copy of it for next year. So that's all in place right now, but who knows? I mean, be pretty crazy going there and playing in front of no people. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> do you uh, do you miss the being on the road? Uh, yeah, you know, it's always nice to meet people and get out and get things done and play your music and see the happy smiling faces. In terms of you know how you're getting through this, are you are you staying in touch with musician friends and sort of commiserating? Is that is that one way of doing it? Well, we talk to each other, and everybody's in in the same boat, really. You know, we uh, everybody's got their hands tied, um, just the safe and easiest way to do it right now. But uh, we all want to play again, and and uh, but do it safely, you know. What What's happening to you, Alan, creatively? Like, are you? Is this making you more creative, or is it, or does it have any effect at all? Um, kind of. You tend to think about creating and and spend time in the studio, and yes, they're actually in the process of making a new album, so that keeps us all busy. But you know, doing it by virtually, you know, over the internet is slightly different from what we used to. So um, we have to adjust accordingly. Are you a guy who still practices? I talked to I talked to Steve Hackett, and he was telling me he plays every day. Um, but I, I talked to your uh, your former keyboard player, and and he was telling me he barely practices at all. And I and I just wonder for you, what what, do you, what is your daily practice? Do you do you get behind the kid as often as you can? Yeah, I have a drum kit in my studio, and I I can go there and play there anytime I want. I don't tend to keep regimented hours on when and how I do it. It's just spasmodic, you know. Yeah, does it does it feel weird to not play daily, or you you that doesn't bother you? Not really. I'm always occupied with different things I have going on, you know. Um, but you know, one has to think about keeping your chops up, as it were. Right. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it's fun keeping in tune with all that kind of stuff. How, how do you keep your chops up? I mean, it's it's one of those things where I would imagine that you have to stay physically fit. It's a very demanding cardiovascular uh, instrument. So, I mean, are do you do you find yourself holding, you know, having sort of an exercise regimen and and staying on top of things? Yeah, well, you know, we all do that, and um, yeah, cardiovascular drums are uh, demanding, but you know, a good workout for ten minutes will get a sweat going. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. When you when you were growing up, were you the kind of guy who could practice for hours and hours? Were you always very disciplined? Yeah, initially. Uh, not so much later because I played so much on stage. I considered that was like practicing. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting how that, you know, when you go to play two-hour set in the evening, that's about the best practice you can get. When you're doing that, was there a moments of discovery? Did you did you sort of stumble into ideas that you wouldn't have stumbled into were you not were you not playing for a two hour duration? Yeah, well, we're always experimenting with what we do. 
how we treat different things and you know we always do that so the so there's always that element otherwise it gets boring and you were never afraid to improvise on stage you wrote you have because i imagine you have to be kind of brave to give that a shot oh totally i yeah i used to do things one night and the next night chris would chris Squire would kind of uh I uh, think we were all doing the same thing, and then I'd change it, and he'd look at me like, don't do that on me. <laughs> but I'd just smile at him and say, come on, you can handle it. Uh, something tells me he could he could definitely handle it. Yeah. The the relationship in a band, um, the drummer and is, – is the drummer and the bass player the most – important relationship that on that stage yeah um i mean i played with chris squire before he passed away for 43 years and uh, we had a relationship where we each knew what each other were doing all the time and you know you could pretty much tell what chris was going to play it's fun to watch to have watched old footage of you guys playing together it's just i mean it really is just the way you lock in it was just incredible yeah, well, we'd been doing it quite a while, so, you know, we had it down, let's put it like that. Play, I mean, playing for, for a band like Yes, I would imagine is so uh, a different kind of demand than if you had played for a totally different band. Um, do you think that your, that your style, in terms of the, how it progressed over the years, did it, was it something you were conscious of, or did you just sort of did it sort of just kind of grow as you grew? No, it just grew with me, with the music, and um, how, you know, inventive we were getting in new music. So, um, a lot of that came from that, you know, experiment, and really experiment and see what works. How competitive were you um, and are you? In terms of seeing other drummers, were there people that you saw growing up where you went, "Oh, that guy, that guy is kind of a monster. I need to, I need to up my game." Or were you a pretty competitive guy, or were you just a, more of a of a, a kind of a cheerleader for other other great drummers? No, I, I actually always had my own style, and I stuck to it. And uh, I had people, you know, giving me adulation, and and then. You know, obviously, I enjoyed what a lot of other drummers would do, but it all depends what you want to play your instrument for, what kind of music and what what application you need to do. Like some things you play are very simple because that's all the song demands. But some are very complex because it's just the way the song is, very complex. And isn't it true that sometimes a song can seem simple, but it really, it really isn't. I mean, to the listener's ear, it's, it's pretty, like, I mean, there's like some Stone songs that sound kind of simple, but I imagine that they're probably not. Oh, Charlie's great. He's, uh, he, he's always played the same thing, but he actually is a very talented drummer that he plays a lot of big band stuff and, you know, jazz type stuff. Um, outside of the Rolling Stones, so and he's a wonderful guy. He's really quiet and never says much, and 
gets on with it. He's so steady. I I imagine he reminds me of one of those people where when you watch him, it, it looks like he's not doing very much, but but he clearly is. Yeah, of course. He's the only guy that, to all my life I watched him play, and he's the only guy I know that never plays the fourth beat in a regular rock pattern with his right hand on the hi hat. He goes to 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 ba to to ba. It's it's quite funny to watch him. So nobody else does that. No, I've never seen anybody else in the business do it. It's particular to his style. You go when he's playing a rock drum beat. Most people just play straight through with the right hand. You watch him when he plays any of these old songs. Um, that's what it is. Just right, 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 left. Right, 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 left. So is is that like an unorthodox style? I mean, why do more people not do that? Well, it's kind of because they don't teach you to play like that. It's just something you grow with, I think. When you see a band live or, you know, when someone takes you to a show or play you a new song, is the first thing that you listen to are the drums? Or or are you able to sort of enjoy it as a fan first and then a technician later? That's interesting. Yeah, I tend to listen to the rhythm section, and usually the vocals and the lyrics are the last thing I listen to. <laughs> I just have it with me, because I've been in the rhythm section all of my life, basically. Uh, I heard an interview with Phil Collins years ago where he said when he got behind the drum kit as a kid, it just felt completely natural. And I know you started with the piano, um, but were drums when did it really sort of emerge to you that 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 was your that was the pocket for you that was the space well it was really my uncle was a drummer and my father was a penis so um it was kind of torn between and uh, i played piano but my uncle used to come and watch me play piano he said you know you play with a percussive style why don't we get him a set of drums so they both pitched in together got me a kit of drums and within three months I was playing with a band so it seemed a natural progression. That was a pretty good eye I mean for somebody to to notice that and that you were doing that is I mean it changed that little note changed your entire life. Yeah but at the same time yeah no it's a very percussive type instrument as well just happens to have 88 keys. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> do, you, do you still play piano just for fun? Oh, I certainly do. Yeah, I've got one in my studio. Yeah. There's a theory that musicians should always kind of cross-train and play more than one instrument. Or do you believe that that's helpful? It's helpful. And that's really what happened to me. One instrument helps the other the whole time because... What I started doing is playing the drums very melodically. And it gave me that kind of style um, of playing the drums. So it um, kind of does. It really seriously. Taking up two instruments helps a lot. Has there ever been an instrument that you've been kind of curious about, about trying? Like you ever thought about the cello or <laughs> the oboe? No, I've never been 
a guy who plays stringed instruments. My wife plays cello. Well, she did when she was a kid, but um, um, I I just couldn't get my teeth around that. Um, I guess I'd like to bang on things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. However, don't say I I bang on the drums. You say you play the drums. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, also, Alan, having a a supportive musical family. Um, I mean, can you imagine if you'd had parents that weren't supportive of you going into the arts? I mean, that must, you're very lucky that you had that support system of people who understood the rigors of being a musician and the importance of, of art. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really, really appreciated. You know, I appreciate the background I came from, but my grandfather was a pianist. My Grandmother was like an opera singer, and <laughs> you know, so it's kind of built into the family there. As a parent, did you feel a responsibility to try to introduce your children to as much music as possible to kind of continue the tradition? Well, I didn't feel any responsibility to carry on the tradition because it seemed to just happen without me thinking about it. Yeah, it was just natural to me. When you when you listen to the live um, album that that we've got going here, how how critical are you of your performance? I mean, to my ear, it sounds perfect, um, but to your ear, how does it sound? Are you are you able to listen back critically, or can you think like, "Oh, I nailed I nailed everything"? How are you in terms of being hard on yourself? You always analyze and criticize your performance, but. Um... At the same time, we're playing with a band like Yes. Everybody is so good at what they do within the realm of that, that um, when you're playing Yes music, if one person gets something wrong, everybody does, you know? So you have to be spot on. When you guys play live, is there a conversation afterwards about how it went or does everyone pretty much, that's unspoken now? Um, yeah, obviously, if anybody does make a mistake, it'll come up, but you know everybody's human, you know you can't do everything one hundred and ten percent every night. How good are you at at taking criticism just in a in a general sense? Uh, pretty good and I, uh, I always take good criticism. Well, and, um, you know, apply it and change it and make it better. Nobody ever says that, Alan. <laughs> everyone, everyone always says they get insulted by, by criticism. Well, some people that come up to you think they know how to play the drums better than you, and you, you just take it and, you know, you can go in the next room and just laugh, you know. But um, if it's good criticism and it's... It's warrant, you know. Um, then you you take heed to it. Outside of the guys from Yes, have you been able to maintain friendships in in this industry with people from other bands? Have you had relationships that have lasted forty, fifty years? Um, yeah, I know. Being quite social in the music world for a long time, you get to know lots of different people. So I'm pretty good friends with uh, 
an awful lot of people in the industry. Is it is do you prefer to kind of keep the company of musicians because you guys kind of know what you've gone through and what you're dealing with? Is it easier to kind of is there a, a sort of shorthand where you just you know you understand each yeah, other? Everybody knows what's you know good or bad within the industry, and uh, it's pretty a given fact most of it. You know, sometimes people would rather hang out with people who are not in the industry because they're all they do is talk about music, but I. I would imagine that there's some great comfort in, in um, you know, having the same the same uh, career. Yeah, um, basically the same career because we all go, <clears throat> we all go through, um, you know, the stages of being in the music business, and you learn to deal with it and how to use it to your advantage. So. Uh, it's um I'm just proud to be in the music business. It's a way of expressing yourself through an instrument that you learned learned how to control pretty well and uh helps send a beautiful message to the world. Is it possible to master drums or is it or is it something that literally you you know, you can never really master it so you're always kind of improving and learning? I would say it's more like the drums master you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but controlling drums and applying them to music in the right way, whatever kind of music it is, uh, if it's applied in the right way for the right kind of music, um, it can mean a world of difference to how the mood of the music goes and how the feel and um, and just the way everything gels, basically. Are there people that you still listen to that you just marvel at in terms of their, their sheer skill? Oh, yeah. There's always people that do things that are different, but I consider myself as somebody who does different things as well. Like, you know, certain songs that we did, um, a lot of people can't work out how I did what I did, but... And I get a lot of questions about those songs. It's just applying different arms and hands and different drums in different places to um, come up with a different sound and a different way of doing things. I, I mean, recently I realized, I, mean, I don't know much about drums, obviously, but I know that I didn't realize how important the, the feet are. I always just think of it as being like, a, you know, the arms and the hands. Um, but when I watched the documentary on Ginger Baker, I realized just how powerful and vital it is to use those pedals. For you, is is that a vital part of your attack as well? Yeah, well, it becomes natural to you as you go through life, you know. One thing goes with the other, you know. One, you know, right, left, you know, they all work independently. So when you study drums, you work on controlling your limbs independently, and then you've got part of the secret of how to do it, you know? When you found yourself in rooms with people like John Lennon or whoever it might be, was there ever a part of you, like, how did you stay calm? Were you ever intimidated or did you think like, I got this, I can do this? Well, pretty much the time I... I've been prepared for 
playing most things that people came up with and adapting it to the music. So I've never been really that intimidated by a piece of music. Yeah, I like what you said, because a lot of people who listen to the show are young musicians. And I think the key with what you just said is that you were prepared. Yeah, exactly. If you've got the skills, then you should be confident every time you approach that. I don't know if you guys caught it, but Alan did reveal that yes, are working on a new album. So that's kind of cool. Uh, great chat with Mr. Alan White, legendary drummer, really nice guy. Glad to have him on the program. Yes can be found at yesworld.com. Go there and get the new album. It's a staggering collection. It is just perfect, and you're going to love it. And uh, like he said, you got to be spot on if you're in Yes, and this is a spot on performance. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you got to go to find out what's happening with me. You can also follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, leave us a rating, subscribe, tell a friend, have your friend tell all their friends. Thank you for helping us spread the word, and thank you, as always, for listening to the program week in and week out. Let's close the show with a listen to In a World of Our Own. This is from Yes's Heaven and Earth album in 2014. Check it out, enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Here we go again